0: Wow, we're really starting. Okay, let's put this in the middle. Hi everyone, my name's Athena LeMay.
1: My name's Nathan. What's your last name? My name is Nathan Evans.
0: <laughs> and we're awesome. We're pretty cool. So buckle up, because this is going to be an awesome podcast series. It's just the beginning. <laughs> okay, that's not really going to be my voice.
1: <laughs> this is going to be fun.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited.
1: <laughs> Athena's like uh like a, like a excited puppy or something that is going on. I a feel
0: walk. like you often explain me to your friends, and you're explaining <laughs> me to the computer right now.
1: <laughs> I am.
0: Yeah, yeah. Athena's so an excited Athena. puppy.
1: Well, sometimes when you get really excited, well, <laughs> you like uh, you like going on walks. You like going to the beach, getting your back rubbed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what else you know. do I like? <laughs> Cuddling. Just tell
0: them about me, and I'll tell them about you.
1: And a bunch of kisses and having snacks. Mm-hmm. These are all things. I you were going to having like. sex. <laughs> uh, no, I wasn't going to say that. But you know, yeah, And that way, you're like a little puppy sometimes. Um, okay.
0: And Nathan is like this really cool guy who's super goofy and loves nature and talks like a little kid when he's super in his element, you know?
1: Yeah, that's really nice, baby.
0: I didn't mean it in a bad way.
1: No, you didn't say it in a bad way at all
0: like a little kid like your inner child happiness comes out
1: that's really nice you know yeah
0: and you're hot stuff (laughs)
1: thank you honey
0: you're welcome okay
1: so this is the first time that we tried recording a podcast we just spent the past like 45 45 minutes minutes trying to set up the sound so it might sound really weird after but we'll try and fix it the best that we can We don't have too much to... Well, you don't uh, know that yet. Well, you know, I guess I don't know that. I'm just kind of (laughs) winging it, but we're just kind of winging it to see what this could uh, bear. um, Okay,
0: well, the reason why I wanted to start this in the first place was because we... Are both kind of over our main jobs, Mm -hmm. or your previous main job, and I felt like this could be something that would give us more time together, but also achieve a goal that we both want.
1: What do you think that goal is?
0: To be rich. (laughs) (laughs) But also happy. (laughs)
1: That's why we get into podcasting. To be rich in a holistic
0: way, Nathan. Not just money, but also happiness and fulfillment.
1: Why are we getting into podcasting?
0: Because we want to be rich. rich.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean...
0: Holistic rich. Let's coin that term.
1: uh, Holistic rich? What does that mean?
0: (laughs) I just told you. In a holistic... Rich in a holistic way. More than just money. In happiness, fulfillment, community, as in you.
1: Mental and emotional well-being. Yes. Okay.
0: I don't know how physical this will be, though, but...
1: Yeah. Well, we can work out while we do our podcast. Yeah, you could. Just do some curls. Go for runs.
0: And I just feel like because it's so exciting, like the idea of following the things that excite you and bring you joy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, this sounds so exciting.
1: It does sound exciting.
0: So who knows? Even if we don't follow through with it, then it will bring opportunities that are more in the direction of things that excite us and make us happy.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm open to that. Yeah. Um, Well, Athena, I know a lot about you.
0: (laughs) And okay, wait, I, I wanted to talk about, about myself. our astrology signs.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this is something I don't know anything about. Because,
0: okay, one of my favorite podcasts, the Expanded Podcast, the Manifestation one, mm-hmm. they always start off their interviews asking the people what their main three astrology signs are. And don't worry, I know yours. So, okay. <laughs> But my sun sign is Cancer. My moon sign is Libra. And my rising is Leo.
1: What does that all mean?
0: So my sun sign, Cancer, the main things are like I am sensitive, aka intuitive, and very in tune with my emotions and feelings and all that stuff, and I'm a nurturer, and um, yeah, I don't know.
1: And then my three signs are Cancer, Pisces, and Libra.
0: Pisces? No, it's Virgo. <laughs> I just, you just made I, it up.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, no, your sun sign is Cancer. Your moon sign is Libra. We both have the same sun and moon sign. Mm-hmm. And then your rising is Virgo. Oh.
1: So I, was pretty close.
0: I think that, I mean, we need we would probably need to talk to an astrologer to actually know. Well, uh, I mean, like, okay, well, we already know because it already works out.
1: (laughs) This is very um, backed up and supported evidence now.
0: No, okay, it's backed up because we're living it, but I was going to say, I feel like we get along so well because we have the same sun and moon signs, so we really understand each other. Like, your sun sign is your, like, overall personality, Mm -hmm. And your moon sign is like your emotional self. So how you process things emotionally. And sometimes people don't see that side of you if you don't open up to them right away. You know, it's like the side of you that you see and feel when you're alone, kind of.
1: So my sun sign is Cancer.
0: And your moon sign is Libra.
1: So Cancer meaning the side that everybody sees.
0: Yes. And
1: that means that everybody sees me as sensitive
0: okay well that's where it gets confusing because your rising is like your mask like your ego your mask so Mm -hmm. that's what everyone sees first which is virgo which is like kind of meticulous and perfectionistic and like very um supportive of the people around you and um you know, like all your little things, how you like things perfect and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: it's very exhausting way of life.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, but I don't know that much about Virgo, honestly. Faos is a Virgo, my brother. But.
1: It's uh, it's very, it's very. I don't even know. I think that if that is, if what you're saying is true about the meticulous things, that's you know. just what
0: I've noticed in all the Virgos I personally know. But I don't know if that's like.
1: Well, I know that I am definitely one of those kind of people. Like, when it comes to sleeping, I need things to be just so. I can't have <laughs> any physical contact. So I sad. I have to have my Shh. the comforter go right in between where my knees touch <laughs> at night. And How
0: come you don't like putting a pillow between your legs?
1: It's too much.
0: But the comforter is thin enough.
1: Yes, If the comforter is folded on top of each (laughs) other. I did not realize you did that, too. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I have to be... If I'm on my back while I'm sleeping, though, I have to have my arms perfectly to one side. Wow, you're you're
0: like borderline OCD.
1: When it comes to my sleep, yeah. You know? If I'm sleeping on my side, I have to have an arm under the pillow and just enough pillow that is covering just like my cheek but not over my face because then I'll feel claustrophobic.
0: That is a thing where you feel claustrophobic a lot.
1: That came from when I was a kid probably. Why? Well, just I had a couple of experiences like where I felt like physically trapped. Like what? Well, nothing. (laughs) That sounds like I was like in a hostage situation or something. But no, it's more just like um, you know, if you're having like pillow fights or something with your friends, like a group of friends at a sleepover or something, and then like they'll put like a blanket over you.
0: Was there a time where it happened for too long?
1: Yeah, but actually, even more so. Like, like more that I like one that I can actually put my finger on is like when I played pop Warner football, mm-hmm. and when you know if you get tackled and then. The dog piles, you know, dog piles, just people. Oh, yeah, 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 And then I've been on the bottom of those dog piles and literally That's I can't really move yeah. until everybody else on top of me gets off because...
0: Did you feel claustrophobic before those situations um, though?
1: I don't know. Cause but I, I definitely remember that fear and anxiety from when I was a little kid. I can't remember which...
0: How old were field. you?
1: Um, I must have been like 10. It was... Within the same year that I broke my arm playing football. And actually, I'm pretty positive, I could be wrong, that I broke my arm when I was playing football from a dog pile, while I was in a dog pile, you know?
0: Because so many people were piled up on your arm. It broke it.
1: I don't know. I probably fell wrong, and then the dog pile Mm. happened or something. But I definitely broke my arm at a football practice when I was a little kid. But around that same time, I had this problem with the dog piling and, like, being underneath dog piles, and it's, like, been a big subconscious fear of mine, you know? So, if anything, if that lines up with Virgo being meticulous... No! I don't think that
0: has something to do with it. But I was wondering, like, if you felt claustrophobic before the dog piling incident like mm. i wonder if it was like from a past life like the way you died in a past life or something
1: Jeez. oh i hope not that's pretty bleak
0: what does bleak mean
1: like kind of depressing oh <laughs> <laughs> that is an easier way to say it like just like oh that's sad Yeah. That's bleak. Well, okay, I've also heard that, like, if
0: you, like, if you have a fear, kind of like your sense of claustrophobia, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's often from a past life, like the way you died or something, like, very traumatizing that happened. Mm. And, like, in the beginning of your life, when you're still young, something will happen to trigger that again. And it continues. Mm. Until it's healed.
1: Well... That's something to explore.
0: There are these meditations where you can do past life regressions. So like you do a meditation that accesses your subconscious and then you can start to bring forward um, past life experiences. So like if you do it enough times, you can see the trends on what keeps coming up over and over again.
1: Is that something that continues when you have that kind of fear? Does it continue to happen throughout your life? I don't know. Like, would claustrophobia continue to be showing up in my life today?
0: Until you heal it. I mean, probably, but I don't actually know.
1: Well, the biggest thing I notice it now is just because of when I'm sleeping. Yeah. And that's why I, like, always need some space.
0: Oh, I know. If if there was (laughs) one thing that I could change about our relationship, it would just be that we could snuggle so much more.
1: I know. It's really sad, huh, honey?
0: Well, I just am like such a physical touch person, you know?
1: I do know that. I okay, really, let's really talk know. about
0: our, uh, what do they call it? The values in a relationship? Or no, your, your um, love language. We took that quiz, remember?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So what's your love language? I don't know. You don't remember? I think it was like Quality words of time, affirmation words of and affirmation. gifts or something.
1: No, it was not gifts. Gifts? No, it wasn't. Because, was like, definitely when I do things for you, it was something
0: about me doing things for you.
1: Acts of service.
0: Oh, oh, that.
1: Acts of service is a big one. And I think it was also, like, words of affirmation and... Um, what's, that? what's that other one? Quality, Quality time. time. Those two are... Even. I think, but acts of service, I think, was, like...
0: The first one.
1: Was the first one. I think yeah. it also changes... Because Adrian, um, my sponsor, had told me that he had taken it at, like, different times in his relationship, and different things popped up.
0: So, it you know, change, like, the order changed?
1: The order changed, and I think that that's because when you take that that quiz, you're kind of, like, applying it to where your life is what your your needs are at that time, you know yeah, that what's makes most sense. important to you at that time because we're always changing. You know, yeah. like our needs are always changing, our interests, our values—they're always changing. Hope I mean some of yeah them, in different you know, phases of our different life phases. But at that time when I was taking it, yeah, like acts of service was really huge because I mean I'm pretty sure it was like in the midst of. When I started realizing how much I hated my job and how tired I would be, mm-hmm. like, before and after work, and then just, like, appreciating how you'll clean up, and you'll make us dinner all the time, and you'll, like, do a lot of the laundry. and
0: <laughs> Basically be a housewife. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i you'll just take care of me. Wait, that's so funny that you're you bringing know? that up,
0: because this morning when I was... Um, preparing to teach my yoga class, mm-hmm. just this five-minute yoga class for my teacher training practice, I, like, flipped open to this previous page, mm-hmm. and um, I wrote on there, like, Nathan and I got in a fight because I started to feel like I was a housewife too much. <laughs> oh, wow. And, um, I mean, we worked through that since then. Yeah. Where we've just gotten a lot better at communicating of, like, like I wouldn't just assume responsibility and then just hold resentment towards you. I would be better at communicating, like, this is what I want to get done, and I will do this, and I want you to do this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And just, like, incorporating it in our schedule.
1: Yeah.
0: But anyways, my—what are they called? Um, love languages
1: mm-hmm. physical Our, touch is the biggest one
0: yes physical touch like I really <laughs> noticed this I think it was like within the past couple days or maybe last week where I was like I need more um, attention <clears throat> and I didn't specify physical <laughs> attention because you were giving me more attention with your words Mm -hmm. but i wanted more physical attention like (laughs) i want you to just touch me and hug me Mm -hmm. and rub my back and snuggle me
1: you love that stuff like it
0: it like physically makes me feel love like that's how i feel love the most Mm -hmm. like if you never said anything and you just like always like hugged me and snuggled me and like touched me and stuff. I would like just put your hand on my leg or hand around your arm around my shoulder. So if I lost my
1: voice and I wasn't able to talk, we could still be fine in our relationship.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. But then my, okay. My second one is quality time. Mm -hmm. And then my third one is words of affirmation. And that one I didn't know was so important to me until I met you. yeah because I had never had I was always that person in all of my relationships and friendships and stuff I was always the person that would be the words of affirmation person yeah and I just knew that like everyone else kind of felt like uncomfortable besides Megan she actually taught me to say like I love you more freely and stuff to like everyone but yeah um but yeah, I do like that. So don't lose your voice, but okay, you know.
1: yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> physical touch is kind of tricky for me. but why? It's just well, well it's in the bed space, at night. At, yeah. at night when you want all of the space all the time, or you want all the touching all the time, sometimes I want my space. Yeah. But if I'm not touching you, then you feel like I'm not. um...
0: You don't love me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the thing that I've been working on with my codependence of like knowing that sometimes, I mean, this is when you were still at working at detox, just like you'd come home super late and then just get ready for bed for like an hour and I'd already be asleep, and I felt like no physical touch because you were, I would fall asleep before you'd be in bed, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got better at telling myself, like, Nathan needs his time right now, and he still loves me. It's okay.
1: Yeah.
0: And you would tell me. But I had to, like, reassure myself too, you know? And then now it's like, more incorporated, where I I know not to expect it so much. But sometimes when I'm, like, just hormonal or not feeling great or whatever, I do feel like – I do come back to that thought of, like, oh, he's not touching me. He doesn't love me. There's something wrong.
1: Hmm. Okay. Let's try changing gears here now. Yeah. (laughs) Um – So, what questions do you have?
0: Okay, so, should we talk about our backgrounds a little bit? We got deep before, like intimate about our relationship before we even introduced ourselves really. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that was backwards probably.
0: (laughs) Whatever, enticing. got it. pull them in, reel them in.
1: Okay, well, why don't we talk about our backgrounds a little bit? So okay. why don't I ask you a couple things about yourself? Okay. And then you can ask me a couple things about myself. Okay. Okay. So let's start with what do you do for a living, Athena? How do you, how do you bring home the bread? How do you manage work and personal life?
0: Um, I work as a personal chef.
1: Oh wow!
0: <laughs> and a yoga teacher, mm-hmm. and
1: I always get to tell people that.
0: Really, what's that like?
1: It sounds like very impressive. It sounds like wow, she's a really down to earth, cool girl. That's cool. I think that that's how it comes off. Yeah. When I tell people about yeah, my girlfriend, she's a personal chef. She she makes vegan food, and she she's a yoga instructor. They're like, wow, she sounds pretty cool. She must be hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. It's a brag.
0: Um that's cool.
1: How did you get into to cooking? Why did you get into okay, cooking? Okay, so
0: I studied clinical nutrition at UC Davis mm-hmm. and when I graduated, I decided not to become a registered dietitian, which is the go-to um in that major. Mm-hmm. And so I lived abroad for 3 years and then What helped me save up for living abroad was working as a personal chef. So I literally just posted online on Nextdoor saying that I am a personal chef. I cook vegan food. If you're interested, hit me up. And that's how I found my clients. And I've been now doing it for a couple years now. Yeah. And... I've been working as a yoga teacher for way longer, like since twenty sixteen. I completed my first teacher training.
1: Where did you do that?
0: In Davis, mm-hmm. at the downtown yoga studio. How
1: much time did it take for you to? Two
0: hundred hours.
1: Two hundred hours. The so... two hundred
0: hour yoga teacher training, mm-hmm. and um, it changed my life in the best way possible. And since then, I've been teaching yoga on and off. But right now, I'm back in and. I love it. It's like the best thing in my entire life. Well. Besides you.
1: <laughs> well, you um, you had to try. So back when you were in college, you were learning how to be a yoga teacher and you were going to school full time. Mm-hmm. Were you also, you weren't cooking at that time? Though.
0: No, I started cooking just a couple years ago. Okay. Like, I guess over time, I taught myself how to cook vegan food for myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then when I started cooking for clients, I did not, I didn't do any special training. I just, like, got this idea that I could make money doing this. So I posted about it, and people were interested, and I was like, fuck yeah. So I did it.
1: Nice.
0: But, um,. What was the other thing? How do I manage my time?
1: <laughs> it's just a joke question from all of the podcasts that I listen to. Yeah. It's a joke. Oh, like, like how
0: do you manage your time in yeah, this Yeah, how do you
1: balance work and work in, in family life, you know, <laughs> personal life?
0: I have good balance because I don't work that much, honestly. <laughs> I work just a few days a week and I have a lot of free time and so I have a lot of personal time to work on my own spiritual yoga practice, do the things that make me happy. Eat chips. Eat chips. <laughs> I love snacking on chips and hang out with you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now your turn.
1: Well, now my turn.
0: <laughs> I'll I answer the you- questions.
1: Well, let me ask um, a couple more things. Okay. I have a couple more questions. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Well, so when I first met you, one of the biggest things that was going on in your life was your traveling. hmm So I'm pretty much going over some of these things that I feel you may think define you as your person. Or what I think the world may define you as your person. So, I mean, obviously... The vegan lifestyle is very important. Mm-hmm. The health and wellness, including the yoga. The traveling was a huge part of your life recently.
0: Until I met you, yes.
1: Until you settled down as well. But why don't you tell us a little bit about how traveling was for you? It
0: was you. awesome. But and it how was do you also think that, so. Um, so hard and how do you how How do you
1: think that it um shaped you to who you are now
0: well okay right when i graduated college i decided to move to australia Mm -hmm. so i moved to australia lived there for six months came home for a couple months and then traveled southeast asia for three months settled in thailand for a couple months living with a friend Mm because she was doing a study abroad program in Bangkok and then came home for six months. And with that same friend, we saved up money to move to Bali for six months. Mm -hmm. And in between all of that, like, there was lots of traveling around Southeast Asia and Australia and New Zealand. So it was like two and a half, three years of living abroad Um, sprinkled in with living at home just trying to save money. But even when I was at home, I would always be on a road trip. Like Mm -hmm. any chance I got, I'd be gone, out of here, didn't want to be anywhere in Orange County, wanted nothing to do with it because I was living at home. Yeah. And felt trapped and hated it.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely feel like the cliche, more worldly, more cultural Um, definitely experience, like, different perspective on life, living in such, so many different, um, environments, and meeting so many different people, including other travelers, and that time, like, looking back, I can see it a lot more clearly, where I, like, set off on this adventure with this idea that I would find myself, And I didn't like I feel like I never achieved what I wanted to being abroad in that sense Mm -hmm. of like feeling like aligning with my deeper meaning having my deeper purpose revealed to me, you know,
1: it's like you left because you thought where you were raised is the problem and you're not going to be able to find yourself because of the environment. But you come to find out that it's not necessarily the environment that is gonna make you discover yourself. It's more maybe like an internal kind of journey.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Because now that we've been living in one place for the past year plus, year and a half now, right? Because I'm.
1: Where we've been living at this apartment?
0: Well, not at this apartment, just in Orange County. In Newport.
1: Which I've been here for a couple of years now.
0: Well, okay. For me, I've been here for a year and a half. Okay. And this is the longest Mm -hmm. I've been in one place since high school. So um, I feel like this is where I did a lot of internal work also because of the pandemic. Mm. And that is actually what helped me find a deeper meaning and purpose but I don't regret living abroad because I had that in me. Like, I had this huge desire to explore the world and get to know the world and travel and see new places. And so, when I came back home, this was before the pandemic, I was ready to feel settled in one space. Like, my whole body and being wanted to just be here. And it was perfect that we met each other in that time. And our relationship just works so nicely. But, um, I, so living abroad, I didn't achieve that goal that I set out for. Mm -hmm. And so the longer I was abroad, the more uneasy I felt because subconsciously this goal wasn't being achieved, even though I wasn't so clearly aware of it in the actual time. Mm -hmm. And I'm just happy to be where I am now. I feel really happy that... I got all those experiences, but I also feel really happy that we've built a life together in this apartment and built up our own home and sanctuary. And like for the first time, I have a little extra spending money to spend on clothes and upgrade my wardrobe to <laughs> emanate my vibes and make me feel like me. And I feel like my body is all... Um, like, in, in equilibrium, because living abroad, I didn't have, like, a consistent lifestyle of exercising or eating a certain way. So um, it wasn't until now that my body feels, like, at this equilibrium that I realize how embodied I do feel, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word.
1: So do you feel that now, having done the traveling and then being in this Same place for the past year and a half, though, has given you any more clarity into like what your goals are and who you see yourself as?
0: Yeah. I feel like my goals are to live a life that feels like a vacation in a way every single day in the sense of like, like a sustainable vacation, like that sense of joy and excitement that you get going to a new place, meeting new people, Mm -hmm. but also having a routine every day and coming home to your personal sanctuary. That's your energy. And you don't have to worry about where you're going to sleep every night. And I still want travel to be a part of my life, but not the way it was before. Like I want, it would be way upgraded Um, So I would have a bigger budget for that for a shorter time. um, That would be more sustainable and enjoyable for me. And I would love to do that with, like, you in the future. Mm -hmm. And I was actually thinking about this side note this morning a lot. Like, I really want to go to Australia again. I want to go back to Australia. And I want you to come with me and just see where I used to live and also just explore new places. Mate. Mate. What are the main things they say? This-
1: outback. Steakhouse. Bloomin' Onion.
0: What? <laughs> oh, I've never heard that before.
1: You've never been to Outback Steakhouse?
0: Yeah, but why did you say... Oh, because it's like the Outback in Australia.
1: Wait, have you ever been to Outback
0: no, Nathan, I'm vegan. <laughs> Why would I ever go there?
1: I don't know. You you weren't always vegan for your whole life.
0: Yeah, but Outback I never ate been around meat. For a long time. <laughs> 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 um, they say cool things like um,
1: kangaroo. Dingo. I've seen
0: I've seen kangaroos actually Wallabee. just in the wild. Yeah. Um. What's the word? What's the, you know that picture in my in the bathroom right now? What are the words on far them? out? Yeah. I thought that was the coolest term that I learned. They were like, oh, far out, man.
1: Wait, baby. Mate. You far learned, out, mate. You didn't learn far out from Australia.
0: I did. <laughs> Cause they'd say it all the time, my coworkers.
1: That's not like an Australian coin. Okay,
0: but term, they use it phrase, so common yeah. like you know how we're like that's dope. Far out mean? The way we say dope. Yeah. That's how they how often they say far out. They don't say dope, they say far out. And far I out is was like
1: cool. an old phrase from like the sixties.
0: Oh, they'd be like, far out.
1: I used I'm far so out bad at a lot in high school. Oh. Yeah.
0: Well, that's where I learned it. <laughs> that's
1: fine. We all learned it. Anyways, early.
0: I want us to go to Australia. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the I'm kind of bored talking dying. about myself. Yeah. I feel like I saw your eyes getting tired as I, no, was, I was talking No, I was
1: interested in what you are saying.
0: Oh, thanks.
1: You did a but good job. I,
0: I would like to hear about you now. Okay. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing. Tell me about your transition in life right now. What's going on with the whole career situation? Yeah.
1: Okay. Where, um...
0: Okay, where did you... (laughs) Tell us about the career you just left.
1: So I was working at, um a detox facility, and uh, I was there for like a year and a half almost, pretty much, and then um, had to deal with alcoholics and drug addicts every day, you know, Uh, most of the time they come in really intoxicated, and it's like my job. I was a clinical tech, so my job is very hands-on with the clients. Um, you know, I it's like ranges from so many different things I have to do.
0: Like what? Like what was a typical day?
1: Typical day. So, okay, typical day, Um, we have one or two couple clients, and... It's my job to make sure that I do rounds on them like every 15 minutes, make sure I see where they're at, um, record it uh, virtually or electronically, whatever, and then like on paper as well. um, Have to make sure I give them medications at the same time, take their vitals every hour, record their symptoms.
0: It honestly sounds like a nurse.
1: It is a low key nursing job,
0: but with nowhere near the pay of a nurse.
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, I haven't done like the schooling that nurses yeah have done, which is yeah, why but the like nurses at my it. well we have nurses at
0: yeah. At, but why aren't they doing it?
1: We all do it. We all do that stuff.
0: Yeah. So I'm just like, <laughs> if you're doing it, I understand. Okay, it's just confusing because mm-hmm. you go to school to be a nurse, to do something that apparently you don't even have to go to school for.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
0: And I'm not saying that nurses don't know anything more because of going to school. They definitely do. Yeah. But the fact that you were given this very similar responsibilities as a nurse and not the same pay <laughs> sounds funky.
1: Well, whatever. I made my peace with the pay situation um, I
0: didn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, clearly.
0: Okay, continue. You um, did all these nurse things.
1: And then it's like also just like a lot of crisis prevention too of just, you know, people come in a detox and their lives are at a rock bottom. They have all of these problems going on with their relationships or financially or um, legal situations and like just straight up. It's mostly fueled because of drugs and alcohol or they have all these problems and then they use drugs and alcohol to cope with all these problems. So, you know, you're dealing with all I mean, these people are dealing with all of these problems all at once because, you know, they've been intoxicated for years, you know, to try and not deal with these problems. And then they come in and they get sober like for a day or two and then like, oh, I need it. call my landlord, and I need to call my probation officer, and I need to call my my wife, and I need to do this, and I need to do that, and I need to pay these bills, and I need to go here, and I'm like, dude, you have just stopped drinking for, like, less than 24 hours. You should try and just (laughs) drink a cup of water and sleep, you know, (laughs) or something, but these people have so much shit going on, and it's a lot of tears, a lot of crying, you know, a lot of just Suicide kind of stuff, you know, people have so much like it's such an interesting job because you meet people with so many. So many different walks of life, you learn about so many different mental health issues, Um, you learn about so many um, physical health issues, you know, Um, and it's a tricky job because you really have to walk the line. There's a lot of red tape. Where you can't, you don't want to be too intrusive. You also need to be extremely sensitive to all these people's problems, especially if they're problems that you have no understanding about.
0: And that ties into you being a cancer, that sensitivity. I feel like it comes very natural to you.
1: I think it did come natural to me, um, you know, but it's definitely very challenging and, you know, just with. All of that to consider on a day-to-day basis because I only get to know these people for, like, anywhere from 24 hours to, at most, maybe 10 days. And then they're out of my life until, unfortunately, a lot of them relapse and then come back. That happens a lot. It's a revolving door. It's very sad, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So, and it's a new case day in, day out. New people honestly new cases. I didn't
0: realize how much I didn't realize the 15 minute thing
1: every 15 minutes every 15 minutes you like for the first it used to be like for the first 24 hours we have to monitor everybody that comes through the door every 15 minutes and then after that it'd be 30 minutes but because in one of our facilities um, that I was working at I won't name the company or anything but and one of their locations up north.
0: <laughs> it's not funny. No, I'm, not saying, I'm just
1: like giving out more information than I should have now already. But, um, a, a, a client killed themselves. They hung themselves. Or I'm not sure how they killed themselves, but they killed themselves. And, you know, the company is pretty much just basing that on the text not being thorough enough with their checks. So then
0: they became more micromanaging.
1: More micromanaging, which for me, I'm good at my job. I do a good job. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't need more micromanaging. All that does for me is it just stresses me out more and honestly puts this fear in me that I'm like...
0: It's added anxiety.
1: It's added anxiety that's not necessary. In an environment
0: that's already filled with anxiety.
1: Exactly. So it wasn't very healthy for me. You know, that was kind of one of the breaking points. You know, we would get emails. Literally, we had people checking our cameras and seeing if we were actively going on the dot at 15 minutes. If we were going to get eye contact with where exactly the person is at, which I understand why they're doing that because they're a big corporation and they need to, like, save their butts and stuff legally. But it's, you know, and it's for the safety of the clients, which is a big deal, you know, but...
0: I'm sure there could have been a more effective way for them to go about it instead of being on your butt the way they did.
1: Because it wasn't, it's just not... Healthy for me, you know. Like I don't know. It's just it's. I see both sides of it, you know. Yeah. But it, it was. But one it didn't of the feel things, good. Ultimately, it didn't feel good, and it's just one of the things I was. It felt just,
0: toxic.
1: Yeah. It did. It felt toxic, along with just the high expectations of my boss and her boss and the company itself, like to get things done in a timely manner. You know, dealing with all the problems of the clients, clients not being compliant, you know, just like it all piled up and I could manage the stress of all of it and all the the things I didn't like about the job for a while. But uh, eventually it became to a point where I was just like, I... I dislike more than I like about my job, and it's making me really unhappy, you know?
0: Which eventually led you to finally quitting.
1: Yeah, finally I started quitting.
0: And so now you're in your two-week transition between that job and your next job, which feels like a vacation for both of us.
1: It is a vacation. It's It's an immediate
0: switch of your personality in terms of you have so much more space to be relaxed and joyful and feel at ease mm-hmm. and get all these little personal th- errands and things done and help out around the apartment and be more present in our relationship
1: yeah
0: you're like an, like the person that i met in the beginning of our relationship before the job
1: you feel like that
0: yeah, before the job took, like, a huge toll on you. Yeah. Because in the beginning, we kind of talked about this. You were very easy at just brushing it off. Yeah. But also, you didn't have as many responsibilities. You look
1: physical touch right now, baby. It yeah. has to be touching my feet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we're connected. Okay, so your next job.
1: My next job is a job I've already worked. I work at the. I'm gonna be working at the fairgrounds. It's totally different in sense of like, I get to work outside. I'm not really working with any clients. I'm just working with my team. Um, I'll be like, so it's like really physically demanding. Um, and uh, you know, I have to learn. I have to know how to operate machinery. Um, like. Like forklifts and scissor lifts and boom lifts.
0: Yeah, baby <laughs> loves that stuff. Yeah. You've been telling me about it since we first met. I know how to drive one of those. I know how to work one of those when I was working at the fairgrounds.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My job is like essentially is to, I'll be like working on very large art projects or some smaller art projects. It's like I'm decorating the fairgrounds for the fair. Yeah. And it can be as small as, like, I had to, like, learn how to braid hair, <gasps> to braid hair for these scarecrows that we were making. <laughs> or it can be as big as putting up, like, a 20-foot wall that will, like, be suspending from the top of, like, an airplane hangar, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it really ranges in how big or how small the tasks are, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so it's really cool, it's something new every day, which is fun. Um, none of the people I work with are like <laughs> drug addicts and alcoholics, so that makes it a little easier. And obviously I love drug addicts and alcoholics, but it is very difficult to out.
0: That sounded with them day like in, you out. love the struggling drug addict and alcoholic. <laughs>
1: No, I mean, I have um, empathy Mm. and I have, um, yeah, I I have love for them. The struggling alcoholic.
0: I guess that's not a good word because you're technically a struggling alcoholic.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not by any means a struggling alcoholic.
0: Oh, well, I just, I guess I don't know the terms.
1: (laughs) A struggling alcoholic is someone that's like actively in their addiction.
0: Okay. Oh, I should say, like, an active addict.
1: Yeah.
0: Instead of a recovering addict. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, I... No, taken. Yeah. I'm not someone that is a struggling No, I know you're not. Yeah. So... (laughs) Well, (laughs) I
0: I was just thinking, like, you're... Still actively working on your, on your sobriety. Mm-hmm. That's why I said, oh, I guess it's not struggling. I don't know. I wasn't really thinking. I just said it. <laughs> it's okay. But it's going to be a very different environment.
1: Yeah, it is a very different environment. That environment, I started working there for my first time in um, 2018 when I was a little less than a year sober. And it was really cool because up until that point... I mean, I had another job prior to that. um, But... um, The coolest thing that I learned about that job was that... You know, because for years... I had um, defined myself by my addiction. Mm -hmm. Or my mental health problems. Only by that. And then... I come to a new workplace where nobody knows anything about me, and I get to show up as this person, Mm -hmm. you know, as just this hardworking person who's fun and nice and caring.
0: Yeah, that's one thing you mentioned at Detox when you were working there. They didn't really know your personality the way I know it, because you were always so stressed and had so much anxiety and, like, so much on your plate. What?
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely. Um, What's so funny? (laughs) Well, I was going in a different direction. I wasn't going to say... I was talking more about... Talking about, like, people defining me as an addict or an alcoholic, and then... When I'm working there, it's like a fresh start of...
0: Oh, oh, oh. I'm not seen
1: <laughs> as an alcoholic or another. Sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Cut the chase there.
1: Yeah, but that's okay. Um, why don't we stop this one?
0: Well, I wanted to dive a little into you being um, sober.
1: Okay. <laughs> we could do that. Okay. Um, what do you want to know?
0: Just... Whatever you'd like to share, (laughs) whatever you feel comfortable sharing Um, about your journey, like what led you to becoming sober, mm -hmm. and a little bit about your sobriety today.
1: Okay. Wow, look at it. Yeah. This is fun.
0: Yeah, it's 50 minutes and it's fun.
1: (laughs) We'll next time just go and make a little bit more of a game plan to stay on track. Well, I think this isn't,
0: yeah, I'm not good at staying on track. (laughs) I just need you to keep me on track. But but this is, I'm doing good. I was trying hard to remember what questions I wanted to ask you. I think you
1: actually have been doing a good job. But at this time point, I think we're starting to get a little, losing it a little bit. Too drawn out. Yeah.
0: Okay, well when we listen to it back then we'll know but let's just talk about your sobriety a little bit. And then we'll have a couple more questions and be done. Okay.
1: So what we do in Alcoholics Anonymous
0: Well no, your personal
1: Well this is well okay let me let me first just say what I'm going to say. Sorry, I wanted to clarify
0: to my question, but I'll take that Okay,
1: back. what's your question?
0: Um, no, my question was more about you personally, but I know you're going to get there now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, we're practicing our on-air chemistry, baby.
0: You know? Yeah, I got bored when I was talking about myself. <laughs> I
1: got bored when we started talking too much about the different relationship stuff. Also, I got bored. I think that we get bored when we talk about one topic for too, too long. long.
0: Well, they I think be... it's good to get into details, though.
1: It is good to get into details when it's something that's super interesting. Because also, think about it. When we listen to this podcast, when we sit we'll, down and we'll play have this podcast, well, would anybody else listen to it?
0: Who knows? <laughs> but we're just going to... See what comes and figure it out from there. Okay. Do you even want to talk about your sobriety? You don't have to. We can just change the subject altogether.
1: I don't mind talking about it, but... Okay, keep it I...
0: short. Let's practice. Okay,
1: keep it short. Okay, it short. so... Um, what that I was makes- saying is... What we do in Alcoholics Anonymous, usually is we give our experience, strength, and hope. What it was like, what happened, and what it's like now.
0: Oh, okay, then do that. Exactly. As if it were a meeting, like a a short thing.
1: So pretty much, you know, um, I'll strictly talk about the drugs and stuff and, like, the solution and all that. Because I feel like the mental health stuff, it is, like, a part of my story. It's a big part of it.
0: That can be a deep dive on another day.
1: But, real, I guess, I mean, I can't really talk about my... Addiction without bringing up some of the mental health. So, like, real briefly, like, I guess it all started more so like I got into weed, um, like in high school, like tenth grade. I was grown. I, I was brought up very sheltered in like a very Christian household with a lot of problems in it behind closed doors. You know, um, a lot of like verbal abuse and emotional abuse and um, when I got into high school and my friends started smoking weed and like you know drinking a little bit or whatever like I was wanting nothing to do with that because I was so afraid but eventually my freshman summer I did get into it and I started smoking weed like very frequently like I spent so much money that freshman summer on weed um, sorry, drinking not too much, but just a little bit um really got into you know like ecstasy was a big thing in in high school for me too, just anything I could really get my hands on, you know psychedelics, weed, and ecstasy were like the big things that I was really into in high school, and by senior year, I had already experimented like with some like prescription pills as well, like Xanax and painkillers. I had, like, tried it a little bit, but never really got, like, too deep into it. There's still the other things that I really liked. But by senior year, I got, like, really depressed. I had already started getting pretty depressed, you know, like, and, like, just not able to manage my emotions very well, Um, just mostly because I didn't feel like I knew how to express them or process them. And talk about them.
0: And I'm sure the drugs didn't help with your hormone balance. They
1: didn't help with the hormone balance, definitely. But in my head, they were what was the way to self-medicate that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, I thought if I could just, like, get high, then I wouldn't have to feel this way. And it would be okay. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, My parents were definitely not people I could talk to about these things. My sister, we weren't very close. um, So that kind of conversation would have been out of left field. She was also like in LA at the time too. Um, so, you know, things started happening between me and my parents, me and my dad got into a very physical fight and, um, like child protective services were involved and I had to go to therapy for my first time. And it was like very bad and, and like really put a big rift in my family. Um, And I think that I started leaning more into, like, my other relationships, like, my friends and my girlfriend at the time. And so when my girlfriend said that she wanted to break up with me my senior year, like, for the first time, I, like, cut myself and, like, ran away and, like, was, like, very suicidal. And um, I just thought it was – that was it. That was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. I ended up, you know, getting taken to the psych ward by the police. And – um, uh, I was there for a couple of days and I had to go to the psych ward, I think one more time my senior year and I ended up missing my senior prom, <laughs> which was really sad. All the while I was like given a bunch of medications from the doctors and I was still like smoking weed and taking all these other drugs when I could get my hands on them. Always weed. There was always weed. That was always the main one. Like, mm-hmm. um, So I ended up having to do homeschooling for the rest of senior year and started losing touch with my friends. Um, So naturally, like, I was like, okay, well, I want to just get away for college. And I went away. Um, I went to the Bay Area, to a state university up there. And um, I did pretty well my first year. My freshman year up there but like my mental problems like my depression got really really bad still like I started I continued to self-harm had suicidal ideations and I started getting more into like Xanax I was also prescribed like a benzo and I started to abuse that so I was really starting to get into pills and weed was still always there like drinking all that other stuff was still there but now I'm also starting to experiment with pills more um you know, depression got worse, started losing friends, stopped talking to friends from home, really got into the drug scene. Um, by my second year, I had already experimented like with meth, and I got into meth pretty, um, pretty deeply. I was getting into it pretty good by my second year. And my second year is when my parents broke up. Um, had a big argument with my dad on my birthday you know um and it was just really a bad scene it was a very bad day and on that day when you know um I like had this problem with my dad and I found that my parents were going to be breaking up like I just ran right to you know to Santa Ana and got some meth and Xanax and like smoked weed and drank and got all lit up and, like, tried to just feel better, you know? So I always associated dealing with my problems with drugs, you know? That was the way to deal with my problems. Eventually, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to get into heroin. I knew a couple people that knew, that were doing heroin, and I got into that really bad. My depression kept getting worse. Felt very, very lonely. Um... Ended up having to leave that school in the Bay Area and coming back to Orange County. And, like, my heroin use got really, really bad at that point. Like, I was, like, pretty much just living for heroin. And it was a very poor existence, you know. Um, A lot of manipulation to my mom and to myself. And eventually, um, you know, like, the one guy I was using with he went into rehab, and I had no idea what rehab was. Like I didn't understand what rehab was. I like didn't have anybody in my social um, group that was drug addicts. You know, so like I didn't grow up around drug addicts or anything like that. So I didn't really know like why people, I didn't even know what, I knew what rehab was from TV, like that celebrity rehab Mm -hmm. show that was on VHS One, remember back in the day? Like,
0: I didn't watch it. Dennis Rodman was
1: on it. And like, you know, anyways, like that's as much as I knew about rehab. So I went to this place, um, did the detox, and then I went to another place. And I was there for like a week, but my friend was there. So because we knew each other, I had to go to like a sober living and I did that. But while I was in sober living, I was like huffing these air dusters and like tried getting this job. And I hated that job. And I quit that job after two weeks, started going back to school, was doing good in school. Um, Inevitably, pretty much I ended up like smoking weed, then drinking, then smoking meth. Than shooting heroin. again.
0: The weed would always get you back into it.
1: The weed would always get me back into it because I thought that, well, I haven't been using the hard stuff for a while. And since I've always used weed, it's like nothing, you know? But what well, I figured out is that I had crossed a threshold to like pretty much like no kind of mild high is going to cut it. Like, because I've like experienced this more extreme high and like I've associated comfort and safety with that high level of highness, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, that, that is just what I always want. That's just what I want, you know, because that's just how I'm going to feel the best. So, you know, my friend got out of jail and it was on, we were like rolling around selling drugs, you know, hanging out with bad people, doing illegal things and just like, Blacked out all the time, pretty much, you know. <sighs> Got in trouble a lot that year. Went to the hospital a lot that year. Um, did a lot of bad things that's, like, not worth getting too deep into right now. Um, but inevitably, I, you know, was still living at my mom's apartment. And I was withdrawing in front of her. And she's like, I don't know how to help you. You know, I don't know what you want me to do. And I mean, we can try going to rehab again. So uh, she was nice enough to set me up with this rehab. And I was able to go to their detox. And I really didn't want to go just because like I was, I thought I didn't want to be sober. Um, Because the last time I tried getting sober, it was, like, not very fun. So this
0: was your second time in rehab? This
1: is my second time now. This is at the end of 2017. And I remember the first night was just terrible. I was throwing up and, you know, like, couldn't sleep all night, shaking and baking. Um, But luckily, I went to a place that had, like, medications to help me. So, like, the next day, I started feeling a little bit better. was able to get some sleep and eat and, you know, got on my feet slightly, like, after a couple days. And it was suggested to me that I do, like, this 30-day program that they have there, which I had never done before. And I really, really did not want to do that because, don't you know, like, I have more important things going on in my life. (laughs) But in reality, I was like, well, you know what? I don't have a girlfriend I don't have any friends, I'm not in school, I'm not working, I have nothing that I'm doing with my life at all. (laughs) So so why not just take a chance and do Mm -hmm. that? And um, I went, I participated in all the groups, I was really, you know, starting to open up, got close with the guys there, Um, you know, started learning more about myself Um, and starting to learn how to express myself in more healthy ways, like through one-on-one therapy and group therapy. And the biggest change was like getting introduced to like AA meetings. And I remember like, I didn't know what I was doing at AA meetings. I didn't really understand what AA meetings were all about, but like, I saw people that had similar experiences to me and they were sober and they were happy and I wanted that. And that is what I chased after. And I remember I had raised my hand to share for the very first time. And I was like, My name's Nathan. I'm an alcoholic. I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know how this process works. But everybody that's been sober has a sponsor. So if you know anyone that's able to sponsor, please let me know. That's up. Thank you. <laughs> that was my, my, my first time sharing. And mm-hmm. a bunch of people came up to me after I got introduced to my first sponsor. It was really cool. I felt like I was actually doing things for the first time in my life, like for a long time.
0: That's cool that you felt like it was cool.
1: <sighs> yeah, and the cool thing... I don't know if it's a cool thing. Well, one thing about where I got so Like you were
0: interested is what I'm saying.
1: I was interested because, like, I mean... Everything The thing about rehab is, is like it facilitates this environment of self-help and bettering your life. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I mean obviously there's, a, there's people there that don't give a shit about their lives and just like checked out and still want to be defiant and badasses and stuff. But there's a good amount of people, the people that I connected with in rehab that really wanted to better their lives and that was fucking cool. You know, like, that was a cool thing to, like, say, like, yeah, dude, I was a fucking scumbag and I don't want to be a scumbag anymore. You know, like, that is pretty cool. So, like, for me to, like, get on board and, like, get the sponsor and, like, be honest with people and, like, you know, express how I'm feeling instead of doing drugs, that's fucking cool. You Mm -hmm. know, because, like, I don't do those things naturally. It's not a natural thing for me to do that. I had to and really rewire my And with people that brain. you
0: kind of got to choose. You know, it wasn't like your family or friends that you... Because people that met.
1: understood me, yeah. that understood what I was going through. You know, like I had friends and stuff, but these friends weren't drug addicts. They weren't doing all this shit I was mm-hmm. doing. I had family that loved and supported me, but they don't know what I'm doing. They would never understand, you know. So it felt nice to be a part of something. And I remember the night clearly that I came back with my spot, like having had a sponsor and like, I was like smoking a cigarette and it was nighttime. And I looked up at the stars and I was just like, I finally feel like I'm doing something that I'm supposed to be doing right now. And from then on, I kind of just like dove hard into it, like started calling him every day, started having him come over and work steps with him, read the book, you know, um, And, like, the first year, like, was, like, pretty smooth, like, for the first part. I mean, like, obviously there was, like, really sad days, like, where I was still, like, really sad and had to, like, talk about things that were kind of painful.
0: But you had a community.
1: I had a community that was supporting me, and I felt invincible. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, you know, like, when you have, like, that, that group of friends that makes you just feel like... Dude, we can do whatever yeah. because we have each other. You know, uh-huh. that's how I felt like when I was with, like, when you're deep in the pack of AA. Like, yeah, you just feel like
0: because it's a lot of people.
1: It's hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. Yeah, you know, you know, it's you know, you, you your your tribe is like everywhere. Like, obviously, you need like your tight fellowship, but like, it's all these people that have been through similar things with you that have been sober for 20 days 20 years you know like have walked through all of this stuff and like the more involved and the more you put yourself out there the more opportunity you get to learn about how to walk through life
0: it makes me think of like the other day when you were saying you know weed used to be a commonality where you would get to know whether you liked someone or not Smoking weed with them would just be like mm-hmm. smoke weed, and we'll see if we like each other. But yeah. the weed's there. Mm-hmm. I feel like now sobriety works that in that way because there's yeah. sober meetings all around the world, everywhere. Yeah. And if you meet a crew of sober people or you go to a meeting, like you can at least talk about that, and from there on out, you can decide if they're like a person for you or not. Well, you know,
1: that's really good. Um, that's how I started. That's how my first year also was too. I mean, I was in this relationship with this other sober girl and she introduced me to this group of friends and, you know, I started making friends within that group and it was this huge group of people where we all, all we had I mean, at first before anything else, what we had in common was we were all sober, Mm -hmm. freshly sober, you know, and I don't know. Like, yeah, it did get me to starting to meet new people. And then you kind of started to be like, okay, like.
0: Weed them out.
1: Weed them out. <laughs> Do I want to get closer to this person? Is Pun this person intended, a I guess. <laughs> or like, what's their deal? You know, like, and yeah, like, you know, just because someone's sober and just because like, I am like this now supposedly caring and open-minded and patient person doesn't mean I have to like everybody that's sober necessarily, you know, it doesn't mean I have to dislike them or like, you know, have resentments toward them or anything, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to click with all of them. Yeah. You know, so that was a very big part of my first year is just like kind of finding my group of people and, a sad thing that's happened recently is that like, I haven't been in touch with most of those people just because I haven't been seeing very many people at all lately because of, you know, COVID and you know um, the online meetings that we have now are like really cool, but it's definitely different. Um, I was talking to my friend the other day about that, just like how they're like, they're there and they're useful, but that sense of community is different, you know? We're not hanging out before and after the meeting or going to get food, you know? Like, it was a thing, like, for, like, a solid year or so. Like, every Saturday, we would go to speaker meeting, and then a big group of us would go out to eat. Sometimes we'd go out, like, to a club and go dancing or, like, go bowling or something like that, you know? Like, we were, like, doing things. Like, every Sunday, we would go play volleyball you know um and we don't have that anymore and it's really sad
0: well both of us are kind of in transition with community right now Mm -hmm. and i think it is only natural with the pandemic that you've naturally lost touch with the people that um I guess weren't so important in your life or like didn't click with you on a deeper level I don't know um for both of us I feel like it happened even before the pandemic though Um, we just kind of like lost touch with some of those people and now we're both in this phase where we're just trying to call in new community meet new people but I feel like during the pandemic, we've discovered so much about ourselves that Mm -hmm. like, we're just kind of a new and evolved person. So like, we'll naturally be calling in different people, you know, and hopefully together too, like friends that we can hang out with together, not just individually.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. And
0: things are starting to open up this month. so.
1: So we'll be back out there.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing about your experience, honey. (laughs) Kept it short and sweet.
1: That wasn't very short. I know, I'm being sarcastic. Wasn't it?
0: Probably. I think it was like 20 minutes.
1: I did not talk about that for 20 minutes.
0: I think so. But whatever. (laughs) Um,
1: You just let me go for it.
0: Yeah, I think that's very probably relatable to... Anyone else out there?
1: The main thing is we need to understand what the direction of this podcast is going to be.
0: Well, we won't know until we go through a couple podcasts first and kind of, you know, like it was good to know that you were bored talking about our relationships.
1: Did you get bored hearing me talk about my, my sobriety stuff?
0: No. I mean, I've already heard it, but I guess I'm more interested in talking about... Like, transformative things. We
1: farted.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, how we want to better our lives and more of the self-help stuff. And, um, you are into a the self-helping jokes. kind
1: of podcast.
0: I, I don't know. I mean, that's what I listen to.
1: I listen to comedy podcasts. Well,
0: let's merge it, honey.
1: Yeah. Self-help It's hard to comedy. talk about that stuff. And not do com and and make it comedic, though.
0: Okay, well, the thing is, I don't know a lot of your, like, the people that you reference and stuff. And I feel like that has, uh, like, has something to do with your comedy, you know? You're like, oh, yeah, like, this guy. Like, you know this guy, like, this guy, this guy. When? When did I do that? I don't know. You just name drop a lot, and I'm like, I don't know.
1: That is. i don't name drop- i didn't do any name dropping.
0: no not today mm-hmm. but just like in the podcast you listen to i'm like i don't know what they're talking about but let's yeah. just try it out i feel like let's not be so like intense about what we want to talk about just have some ideas mm-hmm. i feel like we got some solid content today and keep doing this and from there, we'll figure out what we gravitate towards and what we don't. Okay. Okay.
1: Sure. What's your biggest? Who's your biggest influence?
0: Um, right now in my life, I'm going to keep it. That's the last it-
1: question I didn't ask you about. These.
0: Okay. Well, I'm going to keep it specific to right now in my life.
1: Just one name. Just give me a
0: Janet name. Stone.
1: All right. Thanks everybody for your time.
0: <laughs> well, you got to answer it.
1: Okay, no, wait, tell me why you about Janet Stone.
0: No, no, what? <laughs> I'm confused.
1: <laughs> okay, let's start over. Who's your biggest influence?
0: Janet Stone. Why? Because I do her yoga practice every single day. Yeah. Almost every day. I'm in her online teacher training, and she's my teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so she's my biggest influence right now, by That's nature. Cool. Now yours.
1: I don't think I have a biggest influence right now. I don't feel very inspired or influenced.
0: What about your comedy person?
1: Scott Ackerman?
0: Yeah, the podcasting person.
1: Yeah. He's a pretty cool guy. And he's done a lot of good stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, I just had a couple like surface-level questions. What's your favorite thing about me?
1: Oh, gosh. See? Here we go. What's my favorite thing about you? Yeah just like your enthusiasm for life
0: oh thanks baby i feel the same about you that's why i love you so much because you have that enthusiasm about life but then that's what i was saying it started to really dim out um the past six months because of your job and now these this past week and a half it's back and it feels good and i love it
1: what else do you have for me
0: What's the sexiest thing about me?
1: Oh, baby, that's way too personal.
0: Really? It could be like a personality thing. Oh. I don't know. You're going to say something physical, huh? I don't
1: know. I don't know what you... Anything. The sexiest thing about you? Yeah,
0: I just want you to hype me up a little bit. <laughs> that's why I wrote this question.
1: <laughs> so I can give you some words An of affirmation. ego boost. So I can boost your ego? Um,
0: it's just easy
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really easy um the sexiest okay you don't thing? have to
0: answer it if you feel uncomfortable I just wrote it down would you rather not answer this
1: I just would have to think about that I don't know what you mean by the sexiest thing about you the sexiest thing
0: Okay, how old do you wish you were right now?
1: (laughs) Hmm. Well, that's a tricky question. Do you mean, like...
0: Like, don't overthink it. You're like, this is the age I wish I was right now.
1: Okay, I wish I was 31. Why? I don't know, I feel like I wouldn't be in my 20s anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And then I could have maybe some, hopefully, starting to understand some more of how the world works and have some footing Mm. and not feel like everything is so (sighs) uncertain all the time I guess but you still feel like that in your early 30s from what I hear
0: from what I hear in your early 30s it's like the best time of your life because you don't give a fuck about what anyone thinks finally Mm -hmm. I feel like I would I was gonna say right now but after you said that explanation I would agree like 30-ish because um, I feel like my career, like I would just have a lot more income and stability and clarity on what I want and feel more aligned in my life. I think
1: early 30-year-old someone's would disagree with those statements that we both just made. Okay,
0: up. well, the early 30-year-olds that I listen to on podcasts... Oh,
1: well, you're talking enough. about successful people, but the everyday 30 person...
0: Well, we're going to be successful... Okay. We are successful.
1: I am not successful right now.
0: You're successful with your sobriety.
1: Yeah, I am not.
0: Look at how far you've come in the past just few years.
1: But I want more than just to be a sobriety. I
0: know, but I'm saying look at the trend. Look at the uphill angle. Trajectory. Trajectory.
1: What is that? <laughs> Trajectory.
0: Trajectory.
1: Trajectory. <laughs> Trajectory. Trajectory.
0: Trajectory. It sounds weird, like I have a lisp or something. Um, okay, and then final question: What would your dream life look like right now?
1: Oh my God, this like a okay, okay. surface easy question. No, this
0: one's not surface. Okay, I did a meditation. I'll start if this makes it easier. Sure. So right now, if I could live like my ultimate dream life, we would live beachfront, <laughs> and. I would, like, income aside, it would be part of, like, my daily or, like, monthly lifestyle to get, like, couples massages and acupuncture and um, eat really good vegan food. We already do that, but, like, eat out at, like, maybe nicer places and then go on trips every quarter or every half of the—every six months or something like that. And um, do yoga every day and go on yoga retreats and um, go to the beach and snuggle. <laughs> Spend a lot of time together.
1: That's pretty well thought out. honey. I mean, you've really been thinking about this well, a lot more than I do. Well, it's part of
0: my manifestations. Mm-hmm. I have to be very clear on what I want to know what direction to move in.
1: Oh, I haven't thought about it. Oh, and let stuff. me
0: add, I want to feel like life what we were talking about at the beginning is kind of like a sustainable vacation. That idea of like, things feel easeful, even when things get hard, like I know how to navigate it. And I feel really connected with who I am authentically. I'm not putting up a front and like, I know how to, um, handle things, (laughs) And so things feel easeful, lots of joy and enthusiasm and excitement and love and um, just contentment.
1: Okay. That's pretty good. Thank you. You're welcome. Your turn. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't thought about that all. Well, Uh, It
0: doesn't have to be, like, the perfect answer, but...
1: I would like to be making more money, I'd like to be in better physical health, and I'd like to have a degree in education, or some sort of degree, associates or bachelors.
0: Well, you're almost there. Yeah. Nice, honey. Okay, well, I didn't mean to throw you off so much with that question.
1: I'm losing steam.
0: Yeah, we're over it. Okay, thanks everybody for listening. (laughs)
1: And next
0: time, we'll be back with something
1: better.